0: So I have a story to share. If you were here on Monday night at our Rejoice concert, you've heard this story. But honestly, it was so good, I I have to share it again. Um, But on Monday morning, as I was getting ready for the day, my two-year-old daughter, Abigail, uh, entered into the room. She walked into the room holding her Minnie Mouse doll wrapped in a blanket. She then told me that Minnie Mouse is actually baby Jesus and that she was actually Mary. And finally, she proceeded to sing Twinkle, Twinkle Little Star to the baby Jesus she held there in her arms. Now, again, if you were here on Monday, I told you that story, but what I didn't do is show you a picture, and so I actually have a picture of Abigail (laughs) um, or little Mary holding baby Jesus there wrapped in swaddling cloths. But I know I'm biased, but I think that's like the cutest picture I've ever seen. Um, But I love the story, and I love the picture. I've reflected on it throughout this week. I love the fact that Abigail's heart, even at only two years old, is already being captured by the beauty of the incarnation of Jesus. I love that even at only two years old, she knows that there's something special about Jesus being born a baby in Bethlehem. I love that she's already learning to lift up praises to him, even with twinkle, twinkle, little star. Because as Abigail's heart is captured by the beauty of the gospel, it's natural, it's understandable for her to want to share that message, to sing out in praises and in singing about the beauty of the incarnation of the Son of God. It's natural for us as well. It's understandable for us when our hearts are captured by something, we want to proclaim it. We want to sing about it. We want to share that good news with other people. And this morning, as we continue our Advent series, looking at some of the lesser-known characters of the Christmas story, today we're going to focus in on the shepherds. And here in Luke chapter 2, we're going to see the story of the shepherds who are the first recipients of the good news of Jesus' birth, and we're going to see the response that they have, the very natural and understandable response that these shepherds have to the good news of the one who was born there in Bethlehem. Please open your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 2 as we take a look at the lesser-known characters of Christmas, and the shepherds will be the focus of our attention this morning. And there in your bulletin, you can see your outline. We're going to look at really two basic things together this morning. We'll see the announcement made to the shepherds in Luke 2, 8 through 14. We're going to hear what they heard, the great announcements of of good news, of great joy, which is for all the people. And then second, number two on your outline, we're going to see their response once their hearts are captured by the gospel and the good news of this one born in Bethlehem, we're going to see how the shepherds respond to that good news. So again, grab your Bibles, open up to Luke chapter 2. Let me read for you first Luke chapter 2, verse 8. As we think about the shepherds there that night, Luke chapter 2, verse 8 says this. In the same region... There were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. Let's pause right here and talk for just a few moments about shepherds, who they are, and and what they did. But here in Luke chapter 2, verse 8, Luke introduces us to some shepherds, but these are not just ordinary shepherds. In fact, most likely... We don't know this with certainty, but most likely, these particular shepherds, because they're there around Bethlehem, just south of Jerusalem, these shepherds most likely were the ones charged with and responsible for guarding the flocks, the sheep, who were ultimately destined for sacrifice. Because we know that this scene happens Outside of Bethlehem, just south of Jerusalem, there in Jerusalem was the temple. Most likely, these particular shepherds, again, are the ones responsible for tending the sheep destined for sacrifice in the temple. Now, we know that the sacrifices that went on in the temple were all looking forward to the ultimate sacrifice of Jesus himself as the ultimate Passover lamb. So these particular shepherds, they're there, Luke tells us, they're staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. What you may or may not know is the social standing of shepherds during this time. And there is a bit of debate over the exact nature of the social standing of shepherds in the first century in Israel. But we know beyond a shadow of doubt that within the Greco-Roman culture, into which Luke is writing. In the Greco-Roman culture, shepherds were really despised people. In fact, Aristotle, the great Aristotle, writes that shepherds are the laziest of people. He says they lead an idle life and they follow people and, and cultivate a sort of farm living. Aristotle and the Greco-Roman culture certainly looked down on shepherds, Now, within the Jewish culture of first century Israel, shepherds were viewed with a little more respect. The shepherds, again, were those responsible for tending the flocks that were destined for sacrifice in the temple, an essential function within the worship of Judaism. But even within Judaism, even within Israel... In writings outside of the Old Testament and New Testament, we read that shepherds were often considered to be dishonest and unclean. And so in the Greco-Roman culture, they were really looked down on. In Jewish culture, shepherds were necessary but not really trusted. And so what's amazing about Luke chapter 2 is that it's to shepherds of all people. Certainly not the most esteemed people in culture. It was to shepherds that this angel of the Lord appears and announces this good news. It's so the news of Jesus' birth, the news of the birth of the Messiah, the Christ, the Lord. The surprising thing here is that that news comes not to the Jerusalem times or to the paparazzi of first century Israel, but the news of Jesus' Birth comes to some questionable, at best, shepherds. But think about this the the shepherds represent the lowly, the questionable, even the despised for whom Jesus came to save. People, by the way, just like you and me. We too are unworthy recipients of this good news. God had no obligation to make himself known to us, to bring salvation to us, and yet he does so out of sheer love for us and for these shepherds as well. Well, in verses 9 and 10, as we pick back up Luke chapter 2, we see that this angel of the Lord appears to these shepherds with the announcement of Jesus' birth. Let me read for you verses 9 and 10. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and notice they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. I want you to imagine with me, if you will, for a moment, that you're one of these shepherds. Again, your character is questionable at best. You're despised by the Romans, and uh, the Jews aren't quite sure what to do with you. You're necessary, but kind of suspect. And you're out there in a dark field tending these sheep, and suddenly the glory of the Lord shines around you. It would be natural to be afraid. And that's exactly what we see here in verse 9. They were terribly frightened. But then notice the message that the angel has and says to these particular shepherds. He says, do not be afraid. You're afraid, but he says, do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. Notice a few things here in verse 10. The shepherds are afraid, but the angel says, do not be afraid. Why? Because he brings them good news. The word, by the way, there for good news is related to the word from which we get the word gospel. He brings to them good news or the gospel. And what is it? This is good news of great joy. The shepherds are filled with great fear, but their great fear is supposed to be replaced now with great joy. Why? Because he has good news of great joy, which is for all the people. Not just for the shepherds, but this good news is for all the people. Great fear is replaced by great joy for all the people. The question is how? How is great fear transition to great joy, how is it that God will save his people? Well, notice verse 11, for today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. For today in the city of David, that is Bethlehem, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Take note of the three titles that the angel here uses to describe this one born in Bethlehem. He's a Savior, he's Christ, and he's the Lord. The word Savior reflects Jesus' mission to come and to save or deliver his people from their sin. He saves us from our sin. The term Christ or Messiah or anointed one is indicative of Jesus' role as the promised one of God, the one who from ages past God has been announcing to his people will one day come and finally he's here. And then the term Lord reflects Jesus' ultimate authority and His sovereignty as King of the universe, King of kings, and Lord of ones, the sovereign one over all things. This baby, the one born in Bethlehem, is Savior, He's Christ, and He's Lord. This, again, is good news, which should bring about great joy for all the people. This is how God saves, by sending His Son, the Savior, the Christ, the Lord. Well, in verse 12, we read about a sign that is given to these shepherds so they can identify properly this one born in Bethlehem. Notice verse 12. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Again, this is part of the beauty and the wonder of the incarnation. That this one who was born, the Savior, Christ And the Lord, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, came, notice, humbly as a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. This surprising message is one that not only captures Abigail's heart as she holds her Minnie Mouse doll in her hands, but is one that captured the hearts of these shepherds as well. A surprising message that the sovereign God of all the world, of all of creation, is born humbly as a baby in a manger. And finally, notice verses 13 and 14. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. And So there in the dark sky, there outside of Bethlehem, not only is there this angel, but now an entire heavenly host appears. That word for host, by the way, is used to describe, elsewhere used to describe an army. But this angelic army paradoxically comes to announce peace. Notice verse 14, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among men with whom he is pleased. Biblical peace by the way, is more than just the absence of conflict. But biblical peace describes that reconciliation and restoration that God brings to his creation. And this peace, again, is on the earth among men with whom he, God, is pleased. Take a step back for just a moment, and again, imagine yourself as one of these shepherds. There in the dark, Bethlehem sky, this angelic being appears to you and this angelic army appears to you and announces peace on earth through this one who is born there in Bethlehem, the one who is the Messiah, the Savior, the Lord. And I ask you this morning, if you can imagine yourself as one of these shepherds, what would you have done in response? After hearing this amazing news, of great joy, which is for all the people. What would be your response to this message? Well, let's take a look at number two on your outline and see the response of the shepherds. We can learn a great deal as we see how they responded to this message, this announcement. Luke chapter 2, let's begin with verses 15 and 16. When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, The shepherds began saying to one another, let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. So they came, notice, in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. Now here, number two on your outline, what I want you to notice are the different responses we see in the shepherds to this good news. And the first few responses we see here in verses 15 and 16, to understand, first we have to answer the question, why? Notice they went straight to Bethlehem right then, and verse 16 says, they came in a hurry, but why did they go? One commentator I read this week said, they did not go in order to believe, but they went because they believe. And I think that's right. These shepherds did not go and investigate in order to believe, but they went because they believe. And that's the first response I want you to see here. The first response of the shepherds to this good news is they believe it. They believe, notice verse 15, this thing that the Lord has made known to us. They believe the word of the angel. They believe that one is born there in Bethlehem, who is the Messiah, the Savior, the Lord. But number two, not only do we see that the shepherds believe, but the shepherds also go. They go right then. They go straight to Bethlehem. They come in a hurry and find their way to marry Joseph and the baby. So the shepherds believe, number one, but number two, the shepherds go. The third thing we see that the shepherds do is there in verse 17. After coming to Bethlehem, When they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. The third response of the shepherds is that they share. They share the story of what they've been told about this child. The shepherds come, and they see Jesus, and they begin to share the good news, the statement, the message of what they had been told by this angel about this child, that this child, the one born there in Bethlehem, is the Savior, the Christ, the Lord. And again, this is a natural response. This is an understandable response. When we hear a message like this, it's only natural for people to share it. I imagine them sharing this news with excitement. It's bursting out of them. This is news that must be shared. And finally, the fourth response of the shepherds. We see there in verse 20, I'll read verses 18 through 20. And by the way, verses 18 and 19, I'll talk about later tonight. So this is my cheap plug to convince you to come back tonight. But all who heard it wondered at the things that were told about the shepherds, but Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. But notice the shepherds, verse 20, the shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as had been told them. So the fourth and final response of the shepherds, they praise. Notice that what the angelic host had done earlier, glorifying and praising God, is now carried on by the shepherds. They are glorifying and praising God these shepherds have been transformed. They were the recipients of the good news. They believed it, and then they went. They then shared this good news with others, but now they praise God as their final response. And by the way, I think these responses of the shepherds, Luke has in mind for you and me as well. The shepherds on this night, they're the first recipients of the good news The greatest news that has ever been told that for today in the city of David, there is born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this child will bring redemption and salvation to all who trust in him. But then the shepherds' response is they respond accordingly. They go, they they believe the message. They go to check it out. They share this message with others and then they praise God for it. And so my question again for you this morning is, how would you respond? You have been the recipient of the greatest news ever told that for you is born in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Jesus came to save you, to save me, to save us from our sins. You've been the recipient of the good news of the incarnation of the Son of God, the one who took on flesh and lived a perfect life so that you and I, might be forgiven. My first and the most important question I have for you this morning is, do you believe that message? Have you put your faith, your trust in Jesus, the one born as a baby in Bethlehem, the one born to die, just like those sheep that the shepherds were tending, do you believe that he on the cross surrendered his life? so that your sins can be forgiven. If not, I want to give you the opportunity, the invitation here in this room or watching online to believe, to put your faith, your trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are a Christian, if you have put your faith in Jesus, I also want you to see the other responses here in this passage are appropriate as well. This is news not only to be believed but this is news that should compel us to go. This is news that we should share. And this is news that should fill us with praise. The shepherds are told, and we are told, the most amazing news about Jesus that the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Son of David, the Savior, the Messiah was sent from heaven to take on flesh to live among his people, to die for us, to be raised for us. This is the beautiful story of the incarnation, what we get to celebrate this week. This is a story worthy to be believed, that should compel us to go, a story we should share, a story that should fill us with praise. Would you pray with me? Father, first and foremost, we do thank you for the gift of your Son. We thank you for Jesus who came to this earth, he took on flesh, ultimately so he, he might be the sacrifice that we could not make. Father, thank you for your great love for us and sending him and sending Jesus to die for us, to be raised for us. And Father, we do confess that this is a story worth believing. And Father, as people who have believed this message, I pray that your Spirit would work in us, also the same response we see here in the shepherds, that we would go, that we would share this message with those who are dying to hear it, and that this story of who Jesus is would also fill us with praise, that you would be glorified in all that we say and we do. And Father, in these last few moments together this morning, as we continue to sing out together, I pray that you would receive our worship as a sacrifice to you. Thank you, Father, for your love for us. Thank you for your grace and for your mercy. Thank you for Jesus who died for us. And it's in his name we pray, amen.